Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 208. Top 10 games for Valentine's Day. We'd like to thank our brand new Patreon backer, Brady, for joining the BGA team. You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. Anthony, I'm so glad to have you here on this episode. It is the top 10 games for Valentine's Day. And obviously, we are joined with our great friends listening, all the listeners out there. It is Valentine's Day by the time you hear this episode, or maybe a day or two afterwards. So we wanted to bring you a great list of games that you can play with your partner, your good friends, and maybe bring about some kind of, you know, romantic connection over the cardboard. Yeah, right. I mean, it's so many games. And when we were putting this good list together, it became that much more apparent. So many games are about combat and murder, death, kill. So it's it's nice to take a step back and look at games that are not about that. Um, not necessarily just about courtship and love, but although there are some of those in here, but just games that are a nice, fun, easygoing theme that you can enjoy with your partner without like, looking sideways and wondering are, are they not cool with this because <laughs> you know that's not a good place to be on valentine's day <laughs> so more the romantic board games unless the murder death kill you're you're recommending as as a professional of this industry here i know right it's it's uh i know it's <laughs> it's a bold take man it's bold <laughs> Some of you are going to disagree with me. Actually, some of you will disagree with me. They're like, well, my partner loves those. I'm like, sure, that's fine. I'm just saying some people don't. And this is for those people. Well, it's a super hot take by Anthony, who's lucky enough to have a wonderful wife and been married for so many years that whatever murder, death, kill game he gets to his table, his wife is good enough to play. Yeah. But let's get on. With the episode a little bit, Anthony, we have some big news. We've been talking about this for quite some time, and it's really, probably for me personally, one of the most exciting things that's ever happened with the podcast since we started it, and that is introducing our brand new giveaway contest to our Patreon backers. We are so grateful to have all our friends listening to this episode Everyone out there who listens each and every week or when you do get a chance, tells people about the podcast. We're so grateful for that. And those of you who are able to do a little bit more and help support us to put out more episodes, more content, once again, it means everything for us. This podcast does cost a lot of time and money, and we want to take what money we have and turn it over back to you. So Anthony and I decided whatever we do get from Patreon and we're able to do beyond the cost of the podcast, we want to turn around and give that back to everyone else there and all our friends. So we are once again reannouncing and we have our winner for our first big Patreon backed contest, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, no, this is this is huge. We've been talking about this for, I don't know, a year, two years now. And we can finally get it up. We can finally tell you guys about it. John, congratulations. You are the winner of week one of our Patreon back contest. And we've partnered with 
game surplus and they're going to help us out with this. And part of that is just, they have so many games, not just like the regular hot releases, but stuff coming in from overseas and Kickstarters and imports and everything else. So uh, John's going to get to choose from a number of different possible games, stuff that might include things like Rakehold or Gugong or Raccoon Tycoon, uh, Stuffed Fables, Wildlands, 18 Lilliput, My Story, Space Corp, tons of tons of stuff, new games, hot games. And we're going to hit up John. He's going to be able to pick one of those games. In the weeks to come, we're going to give you guys a little bit of a heads up to, you know, what game's coming up on the contest uh, and be able to hopefully prepare for that and decide, you know, if, if you want to jump in and be part of the drawing to hopefully win that game. But it's it's a huge thing. We're really excited about it. It's not just like stuff from our closet. These are legit hot games that we've been talking about or will be talking about. And we're excited to share those out with you guys. So hopefully in the future, as the Patreon account grows, we can give more and more and bigger and bigger games out to everyone. And we are hoping in the future that when we reach a certain level, we'll be able to do a contest just for all of our great listeners out there. You're such great friends for us. We thank you so much. Please hit us up. We want to connect with you. Want to know what's going on. And obviously, one of the best ways to do that is with our question of the week. All right. Yeah, like a couple of weeks ago, I asked everybody on Facebook, hey, let us know what questions you want us to ask. I do this every couple of months or so to ask everybody you know, what they want to hear. Uh, Nico chimed in with his question of the day, and he asked, during a long game of an hour or more, how do you deal with a player who becomes uninterested, overwhelmed, unhappy, or otherwise unengaged in a game? I've had this happen to me several times, and I'm sure all of you have. This this happens fairly frequently. Somebody's like, yeah, I want to play this. And 30 minutes in, you can tell they do not want to continue playing it. What do you do? So uh, everybody gave uh, some good answers here. John said, try to warn them ahead of time. The point out all the different options that they have. Also, try, he tries to run through all the steps on every turn to get people into a routine. So hopefully he can drag them back if they you know, start to fall off a little bit. Eric says, you know what? Just let them drop out of the game and continue without them. Uh, and that works in some games, but not all games, of course. Chris says, ridicule. Just kidding, <laughs> of course. <laughs> just ser But seriously, you kill the game at that point or else try to see how much it would affect the game to just remove the one player. There's no good reason to pull everyone down for one person not having a good time. George mentions playing a shorter game, saving the longer ones for a different group. So if you're not sure about what people might like, maybe just keep things simple. Don't force a big, heavy game on people, especially people you don't know or who you know maybe are used to smaller, shorter games. I think I tend towards that. Like that's usually my approach is if I go to game night and there's three or four new people there, I'm going to go to my bag and pull out stuff that's a little bit shorter, you know, an hour shorter, just kind of entry level stuff, just get a gauge of what they know and what they like. And if, if it is people I know, and they just decide, Hey, I hate this game, then it's easier for me to be like, well, do you just want to quit then? Cause I know them. Right. <laughs> so it's not, sure. as, it's not as big of a deal. I, I guess for me, it depends on the specific situation. Most times I'm teaching a game and or hosting a game night or hosting a game event. So typically I am the host for that type of event. So when you're the host, it's all about hosting duties and or teaching duties. So you always are somewhat responsible, although everyone you're playing with is an adult. But nonetheless, you're typically responsible for that game night or that game table, and you're trying to do your best to hold everything together. So if I do have somebody who is just not into the game on some ways, there's a couple things I'll do. First is I'll try to cheerlead them a little bit 
uh, sometimes they'll be like, wow, that was really good what you did there. You know, I'll kind of do a little bit like, oh, you got that spot. I really wanted that spot, you know, to kind of encourage them that the actions that they're taking do have some sort of impact and that, you know, what they'll do in the future might just elicit the same kind of response. If they're totally kind of overwhelmed with the game, I try to kind of point out a couple ideas that, you know, might work best for them. It's a little iffy. You know, sometimes people don't like the fact that a player is getting a little help, but sometimes you just might help cut that AP down a little bit. Or sometimes if they're just completely in a bad place and you need to keep them in a game, unfortunately, maybe they can't drop without just completely destroying the game. Then maybe just ask for their help. Say, you know, I'm having a really hard time here. I'm not sure what I should do. What do you think I should do? Sometimes when somebody helps you, they, they feel better about that. You know, you're not you're not kind of overanalyzing what they're doing. They're coming to your aid and now they're more engaged on a personal level instead of just on a game state level. So that's just a little pop psychology 101 kind of stuff. As you mentioned, Anthony, sometimes you just have to, you know, end the game. I mean, it's not worth losing friends, family <laughs> or anybody else at the game table because they're just not happy with the game situation. And that happens, especially in the longer games where they're an hour plus, as Nico was saying here, you do have some people that are just like this game's not for me. And they just need to kind of like, you know, bow out or you need to speed up the game, something just to kind of you know, resolve that situation quickly, but it's something that we should all be aware of at the game table. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely part of it. It's just don't get upset. I think it's the main thing for me. Like people, I've seen this happen where people get upset and grumpy and they're like, Oh man, why did you sit down if you didn't know? And it's because they didn't know, you know, just be understanding, be patient, know that this has probably happened to you before. Maybe you forgot about it and just uh, be willing to work with people on it. Yeah, absolutely. Consideration for everyone, the group, you know, people invested maybe an hour or two hours plus into a game that might be three or four hours. So even if they're going to bow out, let's try to keep it very civil so that everyone's cool. All right, Anthony, so that's what everyone is talking about. Let's get on to the games that we want everyone to know about. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. So what do you have for us up this week? All right. So I had a different game here, and then Fantasy Flight did what they do, and they drop a random press release with no warning about a game coming out in two months. And now that's what's here. It's a new Star Wars game. Do they just roll a D20 or something or flip a coin and just go, sure, today's the day we're going to let people know about this. It's so random. This was like Friday afternoon, maybe Saturday. I don't know when this went out. It was a really weird time. Like, it's not a time you would announce news. I don't know. <laughs> They're just like, you know, maybe someone forgot earlier in the week. They're like, oh, shoot, get that out before the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but the game is Star Wars Outer Rim. And if you pay it any attention to board games you've already seen this because it's number one on the bgg hotness and everybody's talking about it because it's a star wars game so i don't think i'm like saying anything here you don't already know it's a new Corey kanetska game it's one to four players which is like just music to my ears when i see that as a player count and it is star wars but it's not about the usual star wars stuff it's about the bounty hunters the mercenaries the smugglers the underworld stuff the things that honestly are probably the most interesting part of star Wars, but tend not to be the things that the games are built on, at least not at first. So some people at first were saying, Oh, this is like firefly, but star Wars, but play testers have come out and said, it's really not. It's, it's definitely got some of that kind of exploration kind of feel to it. Like uh, those bigger adventure games. And it is a two to three hour game, which means it's probably a three to four hour game, but it is definitely its own thing. And you are, 
going through the galaxy or working together or against each other, depending on who you are. And you're trying to build up your reputation um, as an outlaw and become, you know, kind of one of these Star Wars legends, the IG-88s and the the Bosks of the of the galaxy. So you're doing all sorts of cool stuff. You're taking bounties, you're upgrading your ship, just the kind of stuff you'd expect in here. And some of the characters, of course, are interesting. You have Dr. Afra from the comics, you have Lando, you have Han Solo, of course. So all the big guys are in the game. Um, don't know a ton more about it. They haven't posted a lot of preview here, just that one initial press release. But what I'm seeing, um, it's a it's a $60 game. It's not another $100 giant box of stuff, which means I can actually put this on my list and consider picking it up. Uh, so it's definitely card and cardboard based. It looks in terms of like table space, not to be this big sprawling epic monster of a game, which is I love those big sprawling monster epics of games, but I'm, I have so many of them, so I'm getting tired of them. And it's just kind of cool to see them release a Star Wars IP game with, you know, just something unique and different and not huge in scope, which just makes it hard to get to the table. I look at this and I think I'm going to be able to get this to the table and that guarantees I'm going to pick it up. So it's Star Wars Outer Rim. It's honestly, you don't need the subtitle. You could just say Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. And I'd probably pick it up. But uh, there are multiple reasons why I'm even more excited about this. I think I'll get it played more often <laughs> and hopefully uh, enjoy it a little bit more than some of the other ones that just sit on my shelf, no matter how good so, they are. So uh, the Star Wars blah, blah, blah game, uh, is is it going to be good for people who have not seen or played blah, blah, blah previously? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's blah, blah, blah. So it's whatever you want okay. it to be. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's like just looking at this, it seems like there's some probably some stuff and some characters reference that some people may or may not know if they're not super familiar with Star Wars. You got like Jin Erso from Rogue One. You've got Dr. Afra from the the comics. Anytime you throw like comic book characters in there, that's a very narrow sure. window of fans who know that stuff. Uh, but you also have Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon and Boba Fett and, you know, the stuff people everybody knows. So it seems like the kind of game like any good Star Wars game. It's Star Wars. If you like Star Wars, it's probably for you. If you don't like Star Wars or don't know anything about Star Wars, just skip this part. You don't have to listen to me right now. It's not, it's, I can't imagine it'd be that good of a game that would make you overlook that. But uh, we shall see when it comes out in it says Q2. So sometime between now and July. It doesn't really matter. Fantasy Flight will just release it whenever they decide to randomly release something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Fantasy Flight, we love you, you crazy kids. All right, so the game I'm going to talk about is a game that popped up on Kickstarter and might be something that you overlook, but I want you to take a look back. This is called Parks, the board game, a game about exploring and discovering the U.S. national parks by Keymaster Games. This campaign will back Tuesday, February 19th. So when you hear this podcast, you have a little time to catch up. But if you're interested, you want to jump on pretty quickly. They had a pledge goal of $20,000, which clearly is just kind of a pre-order. Currently, they're at $208,000. So there is a lot of money in here. And for good reason. This is a pretty nifty little game. So first off, as I mentioned, this game is all about, you know, enjoying the national parks in the U.S. You don't have to be from the U.S. to enjoy this game because the game itself is going to include some wondrous artwork by 59 parks it's a print series of beautiful artwork that represents the, the different national parks in the u.s 
Maybe you are a big nature lover. Maybe you are a hiker. Maybe you just enjoy the, the vast vistas of the U.S. And there's some amazing things to see out there. This artwork does a really good job of kind of capturing the beauty and the grace of those areas. So basically, this is a card game. And it plays, I, I would kind of say, along similar lines to Takedo. Now, if you ever play Takedo, Takedo is also a game about this journey along the Takedo Road. And you are enjoying the different vistas and you are meeting different people and you're having different experiences. Well, this is kind of a smaller version of that. So basically, you are hikers and you are hiking through the different lands. And as you cross these different lands, it allow you to collect different resources and to experience different things. And you'll come across different wildlife and you'll pick up tokens and picking up these tokens, swapping these tokens will allow you to be able to visit the wondrous national parks that are going to require certain combinations of tokens. So you move your little meeple guy across this little landscape. You deal with the weather effects that are happening there. You encounter different animals. You walk up different mountains. And then you trade in those resources for upgrades to your equipment and to visits to national parks. You take a break. You use your campfire. And then you go on another journey collecting these resources in order to be able to pay what's required to visit these other national parks. As I said, this is kind of a smaller version of Tokaido with some outstanding artwork. And I think this is a really solid family game. It's all about traveling through the different seasons, through these different national parks, sharing campfires, making memories. You're going to be utilizing canteens in order to make the most out of your resources. And that's pretty much in a nutshell. It's a nice little game. And I think it's it's something that has been overlooked. So I want you to bring you back there and take a look at it. It's currently at the $39 level if you just want the board game. There's also a $49 level if you want the board game and you also want a deck of cards that utilizes the artwork in the game. And that's Parks, the board game, currently on Kickstarter. This is very, very pretty. I like this. Yeah, it has such a nice aesthetic to it. I really like the artwork here. And because it's smaller, you might be able to actually take this on a hike and actually play the game a little bit and just remind yourself of how much beauty is out there. And the game itself is actually getting a solo mode. So even if you don't have necessarily a family on hand to play this all the time, solo mode might be something you might enjoy. All right, Anthony, so those are the games that we're really excited about, but let's talk about the games that actually hit the table this week. Let's talk about BGA at the table. So what do you have for us this week? Do something a little lighter. The last couple of weeks have been some big, heavy games. This last week, I got a chance to play what is a relatively hot new game from Czech Games Edition, and it's called Trap Words. And I actually kind of avoided this the first few times people mentioned it because they always described it as like, it's taboo, but slightly different. And I'm like, I don't like taboo, so I don't want to play this game. <laughs> but it it is, they are correct. It is like taboo, but slightly different. But it does something interesting that I do like. So here's how the game plays. You have two teams of players. They have roughly the same amount of people. So you need at least four players to play the game because there's going to be on each team one person has to give clues other people have to answer them you need those many people so it's kind of like code names in that way on your turn this is slightly complicated not complicated but it's slightly harder to explain to like new gamers what you do is you get a word on a card that's hidden in a little thing you write down as many words as you can think of on your sheet that you do not want the other side to say. 
if they say those words, they lose, right? If they're trying to think of the word that's on your card. And you're going to narrow it down based on which room you're in. So you have these little standees and you're moving down this corridor and you start out with, I think it's four, three or four, and it's going to go all the way up to seven. So at the beginning of the game, there's only a handful of words you can say are trap words, quote unquote. These are the taboos that they cannot say. When you've done that and you've narrowed it down to those three, you hand it over to the other side to their clue giver. And then they're trying to think of a way to describe that word in a way that other people can guess it without saying what they think your trap words are going to be. It's like a little bit of inception. So as an example, we had one of the words that we had was sawdust. And so I got the card sawdust and I had to think what words would they have written down? And they had five they could write down. And I'm like, well, it's going to be tree, probably saw lumberjack, maybe forest. I'm not sure. So I'm trying to think of a way to say this that doesn't use any of the words that they might have written down that I'm not allowed to say. So I'm like ground up organic matter (laughs) in a place of tall plants. And it was just like this weird roundabout way of saying a thing that uh, in the end, my team did not guess what I said. But the the goal is pretty much that you're trying to think of a way to say something with synonyms and workarounds and descriptions that don't actually use the core words most people would think of. And so there's multiple different ways here. Like if you're the clue giver, you're trying to think of these clever things, similar to like in code names. If you are on the other teams, though, on both sides, you're trying to think of all the different ways people might think of different words to use. So it is similar to code names, but it adds a thing for other people to do. Whereas in code names, frequently you have the, the clue giver sitting there staring at the car for five minutes and everybody else talking about what they have for lunch. And then eventually someone flips the, the timer and says, okay, you really got to go now. And then we proceed with the game. So I like that. It keeps the game moving. There is a timer involved. So it again, it keeps the game kind of moving. It is a party game, of course. So you have to be in the right mood for it. You have to enjoy this type of thing. If you flat out hate all of these games, <laughs> like any of these guessing party word games, you're not going to like this either. But as far as this type of game goes, I will put this one up there with code names, which I don't hate, but it has its issues or not quite as much as I like, like a word slam, but it's up there. It's a game that I'm happy to play. So it's a strong play for me. I don't know if any of these ever really hit the buy phase. So, you know, grain of salt with who you're listening to on the review here. But uh, I thought it was pretty solid and um, would play it again if someone was like, hey, we're all playing this game. So that is trap word. All right. So if you actually did, because it seems like when it comes to these mass market produced games, did have a game like Taboo already in your collection. Would this be a game that you would pick up anyway? I think so. If you go to game groups and are playing with like hobby gamers, because I can't imagine getting Taboo to the table with my game group. But this game has a it has like bosses you fight. It has like curses that come out. So like there was one curse that hit our team was you can't use verbs. You had to use only nouns to describe your word on top of trying to think of the the trap words. So it adds at least different twists to the game. And there's kind of the push and pull. There's a little bit of meta to it in terms of, oh, if they get ahead of us, then, you know, we they have more words they have to avoid. So maybe we'll, you know, throw this one, we'll be behind a little bit, they get the curse and it's harder for them. So yeah, it's definitely more of a gamer's game as much as any party game could be a a gamer's game. So I'd honestly say if you have Taboo and like Taboo, you should get this game because it's a game you can play with your gamer friends. If you don't have Taboo and don't like it, then maybe play it first. Okay. 
Well, on that same note, I have another game along that vein. And this game is called Decrypto. This came out from Yellow Games. And as you mentioned, Taboo, I guess also going along with this is also Codenames because Codenames became kind of the mass market gamers game if you wanted to play those kind of like guess which word I'm trying to think of. So in Decrypto, which came out in 2018, not too long ago, you're doing something extremely similar to Codenames. But in this case, what you're going to be given is this little board, this little whiteboard that's going to look like an old school computer system. And there'll be these four slots numbered one through four. And then there'll be a whole deck of these cards that have these kind of messed up lettering that basically it's going to be an encrypted code. Once you slide it into its slot, the little red screen is going to show exactly what word that's that's there. And basically what you're doing is you're going to give clues to your partner or to your team. And hopefully the clues will be easy enough that your teammates will be able to guess the keyword that's on one of the screens, but not too easy that the opposing team would be able to guess the word on the screen without that knowledge. So you don't want to give something away too easy. So for example, if the word was baseball and you said batter, that might be something that obviously your teammate may get, but also the opposing team might get that as well. And then you put yourself in a situation where you get a black mark, which is not good. They get a white mark because they guessed. And now you're really in a bad situation. So basically, you're going to have these clues on the screen, and then you're going to be given a card. And the card is going to be what words you want your partner to guess and in what order. So it's listed one, two, three, four. You might get a four, three, one. So there are the three words that you have to get for your teammate, but hopefully, you know, trick the other people on the other side. And you're going to come up with a clue. They're going to guess. They're going to guess in what order or what numbers of these words are going to be come into play. If they get that, that works well for your team. Hopefully the opposing team doesn't get it. If they do, they're going to score points. First team with either two white tokens or two black tokens wins the game. It goes basically about seven rounds, eight rounds. It becomes kind of like just a playoff type of situation. It's very quick. It's very simple. It's very code names. It's a little taboo, but it's something I think that for gamers might get to the table just because it's very old school looking computers and it's just something that's a little fun and that's decrypto all right we'll have to have a, a, a word party game playoff next time we see each other <laughs> yeah i think so i mean all of these games are fine uh decrypto is a light play for me it's it has enough to it that it's good to have it as part of your collection if you're just having a fun game night but it's not so engaging that if you don't have the right group of people together, you want to pull this game out anyway. All right, Anthony. So that's our games that we got to the table this week. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about the top 10 games that you should be playing during Valentine's Day. So whether you are with a spouse, a partner, whomever you spend the holiday with, these games might bring about a little bit of romance, might bring some connection to the table, and hopefully will bring people closer together during this holiday season. All right, Anthony, we got a great list for everybody. Hopefully these games will attract a little attention. So why don't you start us off with our number 10? Yes, number 10 on the list is... Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. Now, this is a game from USAopoly that kind of took the 
gamer world by storm, especially for people who have partners and friends in their life who maybe aren't as heavy gamers as them, but love Harry Potter and everybody loves Harry Potter. So this is this was like uh, just a, a bomb into nerddom of of good gaming. The game is a fairly straightforward deck building game. You are trying to generate influence, add cards to your deck and defeat the villains that come out, right? It's fairly straightforward. There's nothing here. If you've played a deck builder game before, this is that, right? The differences are, A, it's cooperative. So you have villains that you're all fighting against together. There are certain abilities that kind of cross over between players. And the big, big thing is, as you defeat different parts of the game, so it's broken up into games that are based on the different books, you add new materials, you upgrade your characters, you unlock different enemies and mechanics in the game. So the game gets bigger and to some degree longer, but more interesting as well. So if you have a partner who loves Harry Potter, but maybe isn't as into some of the other games you bring to the table, uh, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle is a great way to sit down, have fun in a non-competitive, cooperative uh, game based on one of the most popular IPs, period. All right, so our number nine game is Love Letter Premium. Love Letter Premium is really, by its very name, a premium production of Love Letter you're going to get some beautiful sleeves, fantastic artwork in large cards that really bring out the pictures there, not to mention these little adorable little red hearts. This game is not just a production upgrade from the standard love letter, but it also has some additional roles that you can play in the game. Having the opportunity to play a game that's all about trying to get this love letter to the princess and trading cards back and forth, trying to guess what the other person's thinking and it's fun, it's fast, it's gorgeous to look at, and it's really a good time, and it plays pretty much with everybody at the table. That's our number nine, Love Letter Premium. All right, number eight on the list is Sunset Over Water. It was a Kickstarter game last year, and it came from Eduardo Baroff and Steve Finn, and it is a beautiful-looking game. So it has artwork from a number of people, but most notably Beth Sobel and these beautiful watercolor paintings. And, and what you're doing in this game is you are wandering the landscape, trying to find something beautiful to paint. And you are actually competing to do that. So <laughs> using different planning cards and trying to determine where you're going to go, when you're going to go there, how you're going to move your guy around this tableau of cards you've set out, and then how to complete these different paintings based on these different materials you gather. It's it's relaxing. It's fun. It is at times a little cutthroat, but not in a stressful way. Uh, just because, especially in a two-player game, you are just trying to get your paintings out there. The theme is one of those things that you just can't get stressed about. And it's a perfect non, again, non-attacking stress kind of game. That <laughs> Murder, death, kill. It's not a murder, death, kill game in which you... <laughs> You're going after each other. It is a game in which you are painting things. Like there just aren't enough games like this. It's beautiful and uh, it's well worth picking up for your for your Valentine's Day uh, game night. Our number eight game is Viticulture Essential Edition. Typically during the Valentine season, beautiful roses, fine wine, and hopefully fine board games will be reaching your table. Viticulture Essential Edition really brings the best parts of Tuscany to the table with its expansions. People find them the role of running this vineyards in this rustic pre-modern Tuscany that they inherit this beautiful vineyard and they're trying to work it through the different seasons. They're having different guests and different opportunities to kind of 
make different wines. The production is fantastic. The artwork on the board is phenomenal. It's just such a beautiful, engaging, but light game in the respects of, as Anthony mentioned earlier, something you want to have a journey with each other. So moving through the different seasons, being able to, at the very beginning of the game, choose your mama and papa cards that you're starting this vineyard together, but you're competing in a non-aggressive type of way. And it's all about running the most successful winery in Tuscany. That's our number seven, Viticulture Essential Edition. All right, number six on the list is one of my favorite two-player games. It's from Uwe Rosenberg, who does a lot of these. It's called Patchwork. This was his first polyomino game. It started a trend for him. Started a trend for him. It's not about going off and fighting Vikings. It is about making a quilt. And it's just, again, it's one of those themes. It's just, it's relaxing. It's straightforward. There's nothing too complicated about it. And despite the fact it's kind of abstract, it works in how you're kind of, you know, presented with the game. It's very easy to teach. You're going to have this big tableau of different pieces that you can add to your patchwork quilt. You're going to choose one based on what you can afford, based on the buttons you have in front of you. You're going to add it to your tableau. And every now and then you're going to activate your tableau um, based on where you are on the score track. And it's going to give you more buttons based on the number of buttons presented there. The goal at the end of the game is to cover as many spaces as possible. Certain pieces are going to give you more time, quote unquote, than others. So you move around the track a little bit faster. And the, the goal is to balance that, is to not use up too much time, get more buttons. And hopefully at the end of the game, you have minimal empty spaces on your map. As many buttons as possible, that's going to be your score. But really, honestly, it's just kind of the puzzle of it. It's nice, quick. It's 20, 30 minutes, uh, and you can play multiple times. Perfect kind of game for a nice, quiet game night, glass of wine. That's Patchwork from Uwe Rosenberg. All right, our number five game is CV. Now, CV is a really interesting mix of the game of life, where it's all about moving from being a child to old age, being able to accomplish different careers, being able to get married, have children, gain new professions, and also Yahtzee. Because if you're going to have fun with all of these what-if scenarios about your life, what did you do? Who did you do it with? And did you roll the best possible combination of dice in order to get those things? CV is a perfectly fun and beautiful game because it has this really interesting artwork to it. Very cartoony, very fun. But, you know, when you play the game with a spouse or family members, you really get into this idea of like, here, look, you can actually see my life. See the different things I put together. See as having a child brought so much happiness to my life, but cost me a little money along the way. And how getting different careers meant that you had to choose different things along your way. So CV is a fantastic little engaging game. They also have CV Pocket and CV Civilization. But the main CV game is a fantastic game to play on any Valentine's Day night. That's our number five game, CV. Number four on the list is a split here between paperback and hardback from Tim Fowers. And the reason that I'm mentioning both of these games, it's really just a matter of preference. On paperback side, you have a word game with a deck building mechanic. On hardback, you have a deck building game with a word game theme. So it's really just like what type of game you're looking for. More of a gamer's game or more of a word game, like a Scrabble replacement with deck building. Uh, regardless of which game you choose, both of them have cooperative modes if you choose to play with each other instead of against each other. And they both play fantastic with two players. 
you're going to have a hand of cards. Each of them has a letter on it. You're going to draft new ones based on the words that you play to be able to build longer words that allow you to capture different victory point conditions, um, whether it's cards in paperback or just generally points uh, in, in hardback, which is kind of a race to a high score. Regardless, if you like word games, if you're playing Scrabble already with each other, or if you're just looking for something new and interesting that uses a different type of mechanic uh, in the deck building genre, these two games are fantastic and well worth checking out if you're looking for a new game. Uh, it's either hardback or paperback, depending on your mechanical preferences. All right, our number three game is And Then They Held Hands. This is a game I backed quite some time ago. It was all about the artwork from the original artists of Dixit. And in particular, it's about two partners trying to reach the middle as far as their emotions concerned, as far as their life goals is concerned. And there is no talking to this game, but you're supposed to be communicating your emotions through the cards. So once again, you have the fantastic artwork from the artist from Dixit here in this game. Now, what you're going to be doing is splaying your cards out in a certain way to give your partner an idea of what you're dealing with in your life, whether it's emotionally or physically or what's going on. And then they're going to play cards on their splay in order to move their token in sync with yours. And you're trying to get to the middle, land on each other, and then hopefully at the end, be able to hold hands. So fantastic artwork here, very simplistic from an abstract gaming standpoint, but it really does come together as a beautiful experience. And that's our number three game, and then we held hands. Number two for me is a two-player take on a game we've referenced multiple times in our reviews today, and that's Codenames Duet. Now, Codenames, we all know by now. We have a clue giver. He says, he or she says a word and a number, and people have to try to guess based on those clues uh, which cards to flip over on a tableau of five by five. So 25 cards that are out. You're trying to find specific people, the agents that are out on the map. Codenames Duet is the same, but in this, you are working together cooperatively to try to reveal 15 agents that are in those 25 without revealing the assassins. Now, there are multiple different things out there on the map based on what level you're playing. So there's different ways to you know, modify the difficulty of this game. But in the end, all you're really doing is you're going back and forth giving clues and trying to beat the score without running out of time uh it's a timed thing uh and without finding an assassin so if you like code names if you like the basic idea of code names and you want to play it with your significant other then this is a great way to do that it's a nice low-key can be stressful but in a fun way if you if you play it that way take on the the classic game so this is code names duet all right, and our number one game of the top 10 board games that you should play during Valentine's Day is Fog of Love. Now, Fog of Love was a fantastic Kickstarter game, an overproduced Kickstarter game, and it's a role-playing, storytelling, cooperative game. And in effect, it's basically a romantic comedy about two players dealing with a relationship. Now, these two players are going through a particular scenario and it's not your typical role-playing kind of game. Basically there are a lot of Euro mechanics here. So there is some crunchiness into this game. So what you're doing this game is you and your partner are going to sit down at the table, create these characters and play through these characters and try to reach your own individual goals. Now, 
what's fantastic about this game as well is this game works for any types of partners. There's a male-female box cover, there's a male-male, and there's a female-female. And basically, you are available to role-play in anything possible, not just in the gender characterizations, but as far as the emotional status that you want to bring to the table. So there'll be different charts on here as far as sensitivity, extroversion, curiosity, different disciplines, and you are creating your own character. You might be fun-loving, you might be innocent or insecure, and basically throughout the game, you are playing cards that fit a certain scenario. So there's going to be destiny cards that are going to talk about the synopsis of the game, and you are going to be able to play through the game and trying to move your tokens into the right place, utilizing traits, occupations, and particular features in order to score your goals. So whatever your traits are, you're trying to move along that way as you deal with the different stages of a scenario that comes out in a relationship. What's really fun and interesting about this game is it's not the boring, obvious types of relationships. They offer a lot of interesting different things that you might see in like a romantic comedy or maybe in something else as far as uh, let's let's say um, a country fair or you're having trouble with the in-laws or it's a paranormal romance or it's something that you your first crush. So all different scenarios that you might have had in your life or you might have thought about having in your life, you can have at the table with your partner. And that's why our number one game is Fog of Love. All right, so that's everything for this week. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. <laughs>